0: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
3: VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Avoid where prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Eligible, not too stupid. Intelligible, and cute as Cupid. Knowledgeable, but not always right. Salvageable. My heart's running round like a skeebo in the
0: speed of D, Baba Ski, and a
1: beaver feeling my shoe. A chicken with its head cut off by magnetic fields from the 1999 album, 69 Love Songs. It's also number 465 out of 500 on the 500 with Josh Adam Myers. What's up, everybody? It's me, the King of Fleece, reigning over my Fleece army. I love each and every one of you guys, man. I say this every week, but thank you for tuning in. Thank you for going through the Rolling Stone Magazine list of the top 500 albums with me because we're doing this shit together, guys. All the way until May 31st, 2028. Thank you to all the people that are doing the Instagram stories. Keep doing it. Please take a screenshot of how you're listening to the 500 and tag me at Josh Adam Myers and put a hashtag the 500 podcast. Give me a 24 hour ad on your social media because we're getting the word out and you're helping. Today in music for July 3rd, in 1971, singer, songwriter, and poet Jim Morrison of The Doors was found dead in a bathtub in Paris, France. I take a lot of baths, so I completely, completely would be all for dying in my bathtub, because it just the soak. You zone out on your penis, going around and round, floating in the water like a majestic sea horse. You stare at that, all stress goes away. Now, I don't know if I want to die, but if I was going to choose, as long as it's not drowning, I would take it. The cause of death was given as a heart attack. He co-wrote some of the group's biggest hits, including Light My Fire, Love Me Two Times, and Love Her Madly. And on the 25th anniversary of his death, an estimated 15,000 fans gathered at Père Lachaise Cemetery in Paris, France to pay their respects. I have been to Jim Morrison's grave And if you walk into that cemetery, people have written on all the other tombstones this way to Jim. It is insane the level of disrespect that these other French motherfuckers, they ain't getting shit. They're just there for this American Jimmy dude. Did anybody ever call him Jimmy? Little Jimmy Morrison. They probably did, but but yeah. So on today, he died. Isn't that crazy? I guess that's a real morbid way to start the episode. But fuck it. All right. A little bit about this record, because this was a big one, guys. This was officially a the, one of the longest ones we've done. So let's find out a little bit about it, okay? Released on September seventh, nineteen ninety 1999, 69 Love Songs is a concept album collection and six-studio release, conceived, written, and mostly sung, and played by multi-instrumentalist Stephen Merritt with his band The Magnetic Field. The three CD album literally contains 69 mostly short songs of almost every style of music possible. One umbrella genre given to them all was tweecore, but Merritt likes to think of the record as a variety show. Despite its title, Stephen Merritt has said "69 Love Songs" is not remotely an album about love. It's an album about love songs, which are very. Far away from anything to do with love. There are a lot of musical and vocal contributors on this album, but the Magnetic Fields core band is Sam Duvall on flute and cello, John Wu on banjo and guitar, not John Wu, the director of Face Off. Just so everybody is clear on that, it's not that John Wu, it's banjo and guitar player John Wu. Shirley Sims on auto-harp, ukulele and vocals, and Claudia Gonson, who sings and plays piano, drums, and percussion, and is the band's manager. Shirley and Claudia, as well as Dudley Clute and LD, Beg Toll sing six songs each on this collection. Now, obviously, we are not going to be going through all 69 songs, so what we did was we picked about nine from the album. This album was great. Like, I, I remember putting it on and being like, fuck this and then being like, a few weeks later, being like, wow. And I found a guest that is a fan of the magnetic fields. I threw it out there into the universe, Help me find somebody that loves this band, and I did. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest this week is my very good friend, Tony Sam. You know him from his podcast, Legally Insane, and his album, Scaredy Cat, which is hilarious. Go out and get it, and listen to the podcast as well. Tony is a huge fan of this band. I had such a good time talking about this record with Tony. Don't forget to listen to the end of the podcast where we're going to spotlight a new artist that was directly influenced by the magnetic fields. Also, rate, review, and go ahead and subscribe to The 500. Follow me at Josh Adam Myers on all social media and email the podcast at 500podcasts at gmail.com. And for all things, Five Honey, go to our website, the500podcast.com. Welp, guys, nothing left to do with, say, here we go with number 465 out of 500 with 69 love songs
3: by the Magnetic Fiends. Papa was a rodeo. Mama was a rock and roll band. I could play guitar. anywhere with diesel gas love was a trucker's hand never stuck around cause a tony Sam
1: and i'm coming like a tony Sam, <laughs> dude, dude, dude.
0: And a tony, oh, tony Sam. Sam and i'm tony Sam, oh, Love. Sam tony Sam, tony Sam, tony Sam, tony Sam, tony Sam, tony Sam. tony Sam, tony tony Sam. Sam. <laughs> tony Sam. tony same tony same
2: tony, tony oh, same just, write that? I just wrote Holy. It. <laughs> What do you I well, was like I what mean, do I I was like I'm, I think I should join him. I mean this is weird if I just look at him while he makes eye contact with me and sings <laughs> to me. You know
1: it's so funny. <laughs> you just made me realize that I've got like Wanda Sykes sitting there and I'm like Wanda Sykes Wanda Sykes like I'm singing September for her. and, and what is she doing when staring? This what, that's crazy, like a murder.
2: Yeah, no. that's why I was like, I should do something because I've got to break the tension. Our eyes were locked. You don't understand. All right, but no,
1: but but by 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 doing that and having you join in immediately and knowing exactly what song I was doing means that you are a fan of this record, the Magnetic Fields. How did you first become aware of this band and uh, and uh, specifically the album?
2: Well, it was a former lover. Ooh. Uh, my first wife, who is actually also a comedian. I'm not going to say her name, but uh, she had amazing taste in music. And, what bands
1: was she rocking like? Uh,
2: well, she loved, you know, Bowie and, you know, just. She just had s- style and good taste. In How did you get her? Man, I just. <laughs> I don't fucking know because I. I, at the time, when we first met, I was just getting into improv. She was in improv, and I was, like, still combing my hair straight back and using L.A. style, like, handfuls of gel, just <laughs> shaving my fucking hair. 90% of the Paul Mitchell being bought in the world was go- that's was right. Going to but the that's me. of
1: Yucca and Argyle. Because I have,
2: as you know, very curly hair. And, and Curly cues. And I didn't know that because from childhood, my dad was like, boy, you got a lot of cowlicks. And I was like, okay. (laughs) He just called him. Yeah, he just called it cowlicks whenever I go get my haircut because I generally kept it short. They're like, well, you got an awful lot of cowlicks. They're like, no, that's just your curly hair, you idiot. Uh, So she saw potential in me. That's what I like to think is that she's like, I've got this this raw mold of clay, and I'm going to shape it into this hipster doofus. So she bought me a whole new wardrobe and, she made. She started to say, "Let just let your hair go curly and whatever, and this and that." And I was like, "Okay." And here I am. I am what she made me today. <laughs> but uh, she introduced me. How dull me. were you prior to this, though? I, I wasn't ask. dull. Like I was. I just. I came from the suburbs of Chicago, and you know, everybody just you fucking you you wore what your parents gave you. So I was like, "Well, I just got all these pants that you know that don't." <laughs> fit me necessarily well and
1: <laughs> oh mom thanks another pair oh of wow Maroon another Porturoys. extra large <laughs> t-shirt wow
2: a boxy extra large t-shirt how did you know i love pacific sunwear <laughs> uh massimo <laughs> yeah. i had a lot i had an off- massimo and i were tight so back to your <laughs> girlfriend like so
1: what what were you listening to prior to her introducing you god, to god i am almost field. embarrassed
2: i feel like <laughs> i
0: Hey now, you're an No, no, get game no, off. Smash Cup. No I loved Smashing Some. Pumpkins.
2: Smashing Pumpkins was my thing. What I, is wrong with that? Well, a Nothing. lot of people think he he's wine screaming.
1: Yeah, I mean he is. Well, it's,
0: yeah. it, he is.
1: I appreciate Smashing Pumpkins because that's the era, of the music that I grew up with. But this, well, but yeah, well, this
2: I tried to get her to like it. Uh, we, she actually, couldn't. We danced at our wedding. Uh, to one of my favorite Smashing Pump- Pumpkin songs from the album, is Adore. Ah, no, no, it's now. Adore. Uh, <laughs> and I can't listen to that album anymore. Aww. Uh, it's hard for me actually to listen to a lot of music because for me, I've always. Just, music is tied to emotion for me for, for a lot sure. of things. So uh, that particular album, it just makes me think of that time period in my life. And I'm just like, Ugh. it was great, but also it's sad that it. Ended. I'm yeah. a sensitive boy. No, I know. And I, <laughs> I mean,
1: you—you you were obsessed with smashing pumpkins. You didn't have to
2: say that to the audience; they knew, right? Uh, they I just fucking get knew. Billy Corrigan, I mean, I mean, you can say what you want. I mean, he's fucking nuts. I think he's crazy. Uh, he's got all these conspiracy theories, but. I think what a brilliant songwriter. Brilliant,
1: brilliant, I mean, smashing. Uh, listen, I'm not going to shit on Smashing Pumpkins. Gish was incredible. Yeah. Siamese Dream was incredible. Melancholy and the Siamese Dream is
2: like high school for me. Yeah, that's, that's, that, that defines was, high school.
1: Today, today, and um and Disarm, yeah, uh, and Soma. Oh, Soma, oh, what a dude. great song. I still, I still love Soma now.
3: I'm all fine. Um, so
1: I right, so Smashing Pumpkins, and then you meet this girl, and she says, "Here's Bowie, and here is the magazine. And I was Bills. like,
2: "Wow, I didn't know any of this music." <laughs> like like my brother and, and you know he listened to Ario Speedwagon, and which again like whatever you could say. I like Boston. I like Bad Company. Uh, it's just because I had older brothers and sisters. They liked. All this. Everybody, rock.
1: 90% of the guests that have come on here have all said that they got their music from their older brother or from somebody else, one of their friends' hip older brother.
2: Yeah. Well, I don't know if my brother, I'm not going to ever say that about him, but my sister, you know, she was into U2 and, you know, we can't say his name anymore, but she liked MJ and, and, uh, she was probably a big Rod Stewart <laughs> fan. So she would make me these mixtapes and I had lots of Billy Joel. And you're, you're uh, speaking my language, bro. I was like, yeah, that's. The uh, what's it? Clarence oh. Trent Darby. So
1: she made this crazy mixtape for me. But he was supposed to. He said he would be bigger than the Beatles. Clarence Trent Darby.
2: Oh boy, I remember that. Well, he was right.
3: <laughs> Clearly, he was right. <laughs> He's six foot five, and all the rest of the Beatles. <laughs> right, he was taller. I, he, was he was definitely taller. He was taller. taller. Uh, he gained a lot of weight. So
2: she knew the music I liked She's like, well, I've got, I've got something for you. So the, the the album she introduced me to, it was I. So that one had just come out uh, in the early 2000s. And so Stephen Merritt, the lead singer, he generally has a theme for all the albums. And this one was every song starts with the letter I. <laughs> that oh. was the idea. And so many of them are just words, but then some include like, or, or it's like, uh, it's not the letter I but it's I Y E which is I so that I believe counts. But uh the album's amazing and I was like, wow this this guy's voice is ridiculous because it's so monotone and deep. It's like I love to sing. It's it's almost like a Muppet character.
1: Very Muppety. Nice nice uh adjective. It's not even a word Muppety.
2: Right. It's almost like the the eagle from the Muppets it was like you are all weird it's if he put out an album <laughs> right? and he started singing with a ukulele and so uh all the songs on there just he he's he's not only a great lyricist he like the harmonies and the melodies yeah just they're catchy tunes and he's so prolific like this guy when he writes an album like 69 love songs he sat down and wrote 69 songs. He, he didn't write all of them, but you know, but he them. had some help, but Most. He, dude,
1: he had his hand in almost every single one of them. Yeah,
2: like his latest album is 50 songs. It, it, he, he put it out to celebrate his 50th birthday, so he started writing Genius. on his 50th birthday. Genius, and every year represents a different moment in his life and a different song, and, and it's really good. You Childbirth.
0: I was born <laughs> out of the womb,
2: coming through the tunnel of light. You, <laughs> I say,
0: well, I'm still shitting my pants. <laughs> I'm a three-year-old boy. Mama pooped on my head pants. as I came out. Well, I got my first direction. <laughs> oh, it pointed in a direction. I say, what is my selection? I'm singing. Uh, I'm singing that. That
1: come on, feel,
0: feel the, the noise. noise, right?
2: I thought you were going like <laughs> it, his. Would be more like doctor pulled me from the room by my little dong, <laughs> and I liked it.
1: Um, all right, so then, specific. So you immediately. So, so I love so that album, and yeah. then
2: I, I was like, well, I want to hear more of their stuff, and so I knew that that album was preceded by sixty-nine love songs, and I was like, holy shit, this is really great. And if you listen to this album, you see that it's not like grouped in any particular way. You see, there's lots of happy go lucky songs, and there's some really kind of bummer downer, sad songs, but it to me reflects the course of life and how relationships are great. And then they're terrible. And then it's great again. And then, Oh shit, it's bad again. And, uh, love is ridiculous. That's why this, this album, you know, it's, it's, it's crazy to me because we, we just kind of go through the motions and we don't really sometimes think about why lo- love is for guys. A lot of times I think it's like, Oh, I don't want to talk about that, but, you know when you think about it it's like oh yeah i totally act like that all the time and sure. this guy he put those emotions to words and i feel <laughs> like like some of these songs kind of speak to me in in the moments like this particular album i generally listen to after a breakup so when i split up with my first wife uh first wife <laughs> how many do you have now i've had 2 but uh that one's gone too <laughs> <laughs> but the second wife hated Magnetic Fields because she hated his voice. She was a musical theater major, and she could not stand his voice. She'd always make fun of it. She'd be like, this guy can't sing to save his life. And I was like, really? Because he sounds like he can carry a tune to me.
1: But his writing is is all from show tunes. Like, he, especially this record, you know, he, he I mean, I know that he was inspired by Steven Sondheim. Um, right. And he was like, I want to write 69 songs. In He wanted to write a play right. or a musical, but then he was like, you know what? I'm going to write 100 songs. He goes, no,
2: fuck that. I'm going to write 69 because <clears throat> 100 is a lot. And you can hear it. And I think, like, on all these different levels, the, the album works. And that's why it's on this, this list, I think, because, you know – while the Magnetic Fields aren't probably a household name. Never
1: heard of them before this. I honestly thought they were a band from the 60s. <laughs> I thought 69 Love Songs was like, oh, this is made in 1969. I swear to God, that's what I thought.
2: That's funny. I I try to talk to people about it, but generally no one I know uh, has heard of them
1: yeah. So all right. So our album is number four sixty five out of five hundred. It's the sixth album, sixty nine love songs by Magnetic Fields. Now it wasn't released in nineteen sixty nine. It was released on September seventh, nineteen ninety nine. Thirty years later, completely produced one hundred percent by Stephen Merritt, the deep-voiced dude that you hear throughout this record. Um, now we are. There are sixty nine songs on this, and like I said in the intro. We are not going to go through every song. That would be, I know, we'd be, this would be a very, very long podcast. So we are going to jump into the ones that I think I enjoyed the most. And also, I think are probably some of the most popular ones. Now, I did leave some in here that are stuff that I really didn't. Like, uh, there's a couple in these nine, so let's dive in. So it opens with absolutely cuckoo. cuckoo. Now, my first reaction wasn't good when I first played this. That was when I was oh, like, Oh, that's one of my favorites. I'm driving home, I love that. I, I'm driving home, and I'm like, Well, I should start listening to this. It's 69 songs, and and I was like, Fuck, dude, this is some shitty band from the 60s. Like, <laughs> I'm expecting it's gonna be like
0: incense, so peppermint, little cup. time. <laughs>
1: But, it, but, it, but it, So the first time I, like, I heard it, I didn't listen to it. It took a bunch of listens for this to click. Uh, and then it hit me that this is just a beautiful, nice love ditty on the ukulele. Peter, do me a favor, play the intro.
3: Don't fall in love with me. Yet. We, we only recently met you. I'm, I'm in love with you, but you, you might decide I'm not. Give me a week or two to go absolutely cook, cook. Then let, let me, me see your arrow. I
1: love that it's just him on the ukulele, but there's these really cool synth hits that accent the song throughout. Yeah. Now, this is the first song on the album. In about one and a half minutes, this waltzy and lyrically cla- claustrophobic number introduces both the heartbreaking depth and humorous self-deprecation of what's to come. So in a sense, he's just setting up the whole record yeah. You know of what you're about to get in the next <clears throat> 68 songs. Stephen sings two intertwining parts on the song. And according to the record's accompanying booklet, Merritt says the character being Cuckoo could be multiple personalities. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper?
3: The number you have reached is one hundred point seven WMNS. It wasn't just a radio station; it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is the rock and roll city for sure. we do like Down get get the, get the, the wrath,
1: wrath of the Buzzard WMMs Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles.
2: The Wrath of the Buzzard. P-R-O-H files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts. That's funny, isn't that cool? Uh, yeah. The way I look at that song is that it's just, you know, when you say self-deprecating, I think, of course, as a comedian and a, just a person who does that, I you 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 knock yourself down because then you're like, hey, I, I I'm not perfect, and you know, I I have flaws, and and take a look at me, I uh, I'm exposing my weaknesses to you, and and. This this particular song though is like he's acknowledging that he's kind of a wackadoo and I guess I never thought of it as multiple personalities. I think of it as this guy just or or person, this character, I won't say guy, but uh just knows that they're a real fucking hot mess and that they once they sink their hands into you Good luck. But I don't, I don't you feel that, you know, as you've gotten
1: older, you're a little bit more, you know, like I, I feel like I'm able to say, I, here's, this is the crazy that's in me. I know the crazy that's in me. And I, so I can identify when I'm wrong or when I made a mistake or when I'm right because I know I'm like, this, I'm crazy, but that's, I'm, I'm even holding back the crazy.
2: Yeah. I guess <laughs> I acknowledge it, but I don't know that I want to fix it. I think I, I, my, my current girlfriend, she she knows I look, I know I'm a lot to handle, but I think if we have an understanding that she's like, I know I'm a lot to handle, you know I'm a lot to handle, let's find that middle ground. Like, you know, I know I should say and do things, but I don't because that's me. And I think that's why love is complicated because sure. you're like, look, this is who I am. I mean, people try you like to change, and you're like, well, you can change if you want to. It's like, I don't know, I try. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just me. I can't, I can't be anyone but me. And and that's because you have this lifetime. Like the older we get, like because we're, you know, we're no spring chickens. But the older we get, we your this your life is a culmination of all your experiences, and you can't just forget about all those years of your life
1: no but you can look at them differently you can look at them and not as such tragic that's been a big you know i talk about it a lot on here that's been one of the best things that i've ever done which is like look at the past as a learning experience instead of like i was a shitty person back then like it's like that just helped me get to being a good person now Mm. you know what i mean but let's let's take it to this what's the most insane thing you've ever done in or
2: after a relationship oh boy uh <laughs> insane uh well after well, i you you want me to set myself up please uh after my second divorce that one was pretty tough uh like how long ago was this jeez it was like 7 years ago now. okay so time has passed but uh it was it was weird you know like I think that there was a lot of vindictive things going back and forth. And uh, I may have taken a pair of scissors to someone's purse. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, People have done so much worse. Yeah, and but, I, I but mean, what that a was crazy. Rage.
1: But that was, you were probably so enraged.
2: Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what had set that off. But, uh, like, I had bought that purse for her. On our trip to Italy and I just was like, Oh yeah? You want it? I'll give it to you. Chop, chop, chop. Like as you're chopping, I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see who's laughing. <laughs> but that's what that's love, love that, does that's that, that loves, to you. Because like dude. the moment I did it, I was like, Oh god, why did I do that? What a terrible, awful thing to do. But and and guys are totally guilty of always calling their exes crazy that's like our default thing because you know i think women do tend to be more emotional but it's because of things we did to drive them to that so they're not crazy we're just terrible generally and so but in this case something had happened and i destroyed personal property and i don't feel good about it the craziest you are is at the beginning and the end of a relationship. Cause you're
1: crazy in love at the beginning right. and you'll just forget about everything. So, so she could be like, you know, she could be like, I'm a Holocaust denier. And you're like, I love you <laughs> right?" even more. All right. That goes into uh track number four. We're going to talk about a chicken with its head cut off. Now, uh, this is my favorite song on the record. I like this. This song is so fucking catchy. I think it's, uh, after listening to the full album, I think this was the best use of the medium of love with the music and his voice. Uh, I love the chorus so much. Peter, do me a favor. Play the chorus. My heart's running
3: round like a chicken with its head cut off All around the barnyard falling in it
1: The way he sings this gives me chills. Now, this is a light country song, and according to Merritt in the 69 Love Songs booklet, there's not that many cliches left to be used as titles of country songs. So I was jokingly scraping the bottom of the barrel. First four lines read like a humorously self-deprecating post on dating site. Eligible, not too stupid. (laughs) Intelligible and cute as Cupid. Knowledgeable, but not always right. Salvageable and free- for the night it sounds like he he just wants to hook up especially by the bridge which says we don't have to be stars exploding in the night right or the eels. eels under or the, the covers. covers we don't have to be anything quite so unreal let's just be, be lovers. lovers that basically says this doesn't have to be a magical experience or anything it can just be two people enjoying each other you were a biologist <laughs> Before you were a professional comedian, yes. in your expert opinion, are humans meant to be monogamous, or shall we all just be enjoying
2: each other <laughs> uh oh God, polyamory is the way um you know I think everybody's i think people aren't as specific as you know species lower than us, some of them do mate for life. And that's just hardwired into them. You don't see any deviation from that. But people are unique and different and we're all wired differently. And I think that some people can do that. But in my experience, and uh, this is not to crucify myself, but the most interesting people I have met are the ones who, you know, you can love one person, but you still are able to have feelings for others sure and i think that a lot of people don't admit that and then they they they've almost created this this self-imposed prison around them and they are resentful and hateful and i as i get older i come to terms with i go you know i choose to be in a relation a committed relationship but i acknowledge that i will always be attracted to other people and that I don't know the benefit of, of being with someone else will will destroy this thing. You know, like is it worth leaving this this beautiful thing that I have for this person that I am on a, uh, uh I guess primal level attracted to. So, I I think that it is unique to the person, but it is all it is. Sometimes I think it's a choice that you could just do whatever you want and who cares who's hurt or one time a cheater
1: always a cheater right you cheat once you'll cheat again i've never cheated um and i think that's also what what scares me about being in a relationship uh because the two times i've been in long-term relationships i've the sex got boring do you know what i mean it's just like yeah you you, i got a beautiful girl Mm. beautiful girl that is literally like Legs spread, like why aren't why don't you fuck me more? And I'm just like because I just I know when you poop now, I know your <laughs> poop schedule, and it turned me off. You know, it's difficult.
2: It Was it the poop schedule? It that's just, what, um, that amongst was uh,
1: many many things, but that's like the first thing that I'm like. You see something that's just questions like the the her sexiness, like you you know what I mean, or whatever it is. Getting it
2: comfortable be- with someone is the major reason why everything fails is because the magic's gone and you you just take each other for granted like you're another chair here but like that's that's why it is because you just expel this part she'll be home she'll be home in in 20 minutes like she always is every day and routine is what is i think the major killer to me it seems like if you're always doing something different and keeping it alive that that's You know, I've been in a few successful long-term relationships, and uh, I think I was most unhappiest when I was single, and I was just, you know, I can recall one week where there was probably like four different people that I had been with, but that didn't make me happy. I felt miserable that whole time, because I was like, well, none of this means anything. But then when you find, for me personally, that when you find that one person, you're like, oh, wow, well, how can I keep making this new and exciting? And I think that's what the secret is. Have you cheated before? No. No. You never cheated? No, I was trying to think back in in my youth. But no, I I generally thought it was more respectful to if I had feelings for other people, and then I broke it off. It was like, look, I don't think this is working. And then you pursue that. Like, if you meet someone and you make an emotional connection and you realize, oh shit, I like this person, and then you break things off first, I think that's more respectful. For sure.
1: But a lot of people don't do that because they don't want to be alone. You know what I mean? They they don't know if this other one's going to work out. And so they just. Right. Well, you've got a safety net. Yeah, exactly. It's a safety net. I'm finally okay with being alone. I'm lonely right now. I'm not going to lie. I mean, for I, I want to have sex. I want to, I, I wish I had a girl that I could just, cause I don't have anything. And I'm not saying I'm not, I could, if I go out and try, I could find it. But it's like, I just, this is probably the most, I have no prospects. No seeds are planted. You know,
2: you're probably getting a lot done.
1: Oh, at well, least. I mean, do you feel, hear how in depth I am about a magnetic field record? That's right. What the fuck, dude? Uh,
2: no, the times of my life when I accomplished the most is when I was alone, uh, because, but it's the, you take the good with the bad, right? A relationship, sure. You you want to be in it, but you're also you're like, oh well, I could be doing these things, but I'm I'm enjoying being with this person, yeah. so I guess it's okay. Uh, I've been cheated on. And I think it's the worst feeling in the Horrible whole world because yeah. this betrayal and, and this, this denial and this loss, and you still have these weird feelings for this person, but you're like, Oh God, they destroyed me. Why would I want to be with this person? So, uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting that people have different views. Like some people just, can't be with one person and i and i and i see why you know like we live in a society where we want instant happiness and and we're just going living in the moment this whole living in the moment and the the yolo hashtag shit it's that people just care about themselves and and i think it's kind of selfish a little bit to want to just keep jumping around and not finding a meaningful connection i
1: completely agree completely agree
2: all right Let's go into
1: I don't want to get over you. It's track 6 and I love this a great upbeat song. little ditty. Now, when the first st- when the song first started, I thought this was going to be like a John Mellencamp song, but then that weird synthesizer or guitar effect kicked in, and lyrically, it's about holding on to the pain of a breakup when that's all that's left of the relationship. It's intellectualizing remedies for the grief while not wanting to let go. Of the hope of love, the X represented. I, you were talking about his lyrics earlier. This, this is. I don't know, man. I, I, this is the one that stuck out to me so much. Where he says, "I could listen to all my friends and go out again and pretend it's enough, or I could make a career of being blue." Favorite line is right here. I could dress in black and read Camus, <laughs> smoke clove cigarettes, and drink vermouth. I. Love that giving a fucking giving an existential He's a French wordsmith. philosopher out, you know, Camus. I love that. I love when there's something and I catch something that's intellectual because that happens never because of my dumb dumb. That's brain. a great
2: lyric. Uh, you know, I think a lot of times when a relationship explodes in your face, people choose to, they're like, I want to be sad for a living. I wish this paid money because I would. I would be sad for a few weeks if it paid, <laughs> right? Like, what is you mean, being? You need
1: me to lay in my in my comfy clothes, like on oh, my couch? go to go to work in bed. Well, this is ultimately about letting go. What are you, uh, of what are you unwilling or incapable of letting go? Like being wrong, is that that's you can't give that let go of that?
2: I generally don't like to be wrong. Uh I don't know what it is. If it's just because I. Like to read and know about things, and or I'm just so you stubborn. Think
1: you think you're just intellectually superior than most well, people? Well, no,
2: I try to. It's like a, in a relationship argument. Uh, I I just can't let go. I I I know, and, and I and I'm not even sure that I'm right. I just I want to be right, and then I'll apologize later. But I just can't sometimes not let go of. Being right all the time.
1: What's the biggest thing you? have you got what's the? Where looking back now, when were you wrong? You were wrong, but you fucking excuse me, fought it out. Oh
2: boy, that's a good one. Thanks, man. Well, one of the things that I kept saying up and down is like, as we were we were moving out of our apartment, we were getting a home. We purchased a home, which is something I never thought I'd be able to do in LA, but we. Congrats. Figured it out and uh, Boyle heights, I mean <laughs> <laughs> LA, I mean
0: well, it's you, LA. You're, you're not in Bel Air. It's LA.
2: It's it's a coming up neighborhood. Oh boy, we've got a restaurant. <laughs> um well I was afraid. I I didn't want to do it and I just thought that it would you know, I thought it would be this colossal ordeal that, you know, would be a mistake. Like it's a big commitment and, you know, we're not married, but we are house married. And I just, I kept saying, I kept pushing back. I was looking for things that were wrong with everything and the houses because I was afraid to do it. And I just kept saying this, the house that we ended up getting, I was just looking for a reason for it not to work. And I, and I kept arguing saying, this is going to be a disaster. We're going to regret this. And I think it's going to be so much of a headache and so much work. And she just kept assuring me that it wouldn't. And I was like, "I'm going to tell you so. You'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll see. see, you'll see." Famous and then, we, words, and you'll then we did it, and it wasn't bad. Uh, it, it's, it's look, there's a lot of responsibility, but I mean, it's pretty cool. And she was right. Like for all the the things that may have happened that you know we've had a couple things we've had to fix but it it wasn't the end of the world and we've made it work for a year and a half now there and I think that I just need to chill the fuck out that, dude. <laughs> All
1: right, fun little fact about the song. Steven is quoted saying, this song would never have been written if I'd had a smartphone at the time. I would have Googled the title, seen that Waylon Jennings had already used it, and never written the song. Oh, That's shit. That's really cool. Yeah, so thank God. All right, let's pretend we're bunny rabbits. Track nine. Uh, you,
2: you mentioned that you enjoy this. Thoughts yeah, on it? Yeah, I mean, it's just about, it's like, let's just, fuck all the time yeah dude that's really a I song mean, about fucking
1: i know and now
2: this that's like
1: he said this is what i love about this album every song is almost just a different genre and i don't know what you would this is called maybe synth pop with british yeah. and uh and a 1950s doo-wop vibe uh peter play the chorus
3: let's pretend we're buddy.
1: Over just a drum machine and lo-fi sense, Merritt sings about enticing an absent lover into wild animal desires. Animal uh, sex. And he and he just says it. It's he, he takes it and he says, you know, let's do it the cute way, painfully
2: cute bunny rabbits. Just, just fucking well, like, bunny rabbits they
1: fuck a lot. I know
2: It's a lot of hip thrusts, like fast and hard. Yeah, it's not cute. They're cute. They're cute. That's but what the sex act, it's violent. <laughs> <laughs> uh that's it's it's got that kind of wall of sound to it yeah it's definitely uh, phil
1: Spector. i i mean that's what i'm saying the that it's the, i want i didn't want to call it doo but you could take this song and this i think is like the ronettes the ronettes could sing this song do you know what i mean like uh diana ross like the early 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 stuff You know, I would love to hear that. It's got this, it's just got this 1950s like soul vibe.
2: Hey, this is Steve Choi, host of the Musicians Guild podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. Within the four walls of the Musicians Guild, we'll be discussing the habits, idiosyncrasies, experiences, and general psychology of my friends and peers all involved with music in various capacities. Listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com.
1: Uh, the mention of putting on bunny suits is apparently homage to the artist Nayland Blake, who uses bunny suit imagery to represent the perceived stereotype of male homosexual promiscuity. What is your sexual spirit animal and why? Uh,
2: well, you know, <laughs> some people are like dynamos in the sack. And I generally... This and this doesn't. I don't know if this makes me desirable, but I, as I've gotten older, I, I kind of want to just get through it. <laughs> I get so tired. I just. I know I like sex. I know I want to have sex, but like just, just I want to. I want to cuddle and lay there and rest. It's it's physically it's tiring. It is. It's a lot. It's sex. You know? It's I mean, a, lot. a lot of hip thrusting. It's I a mean, lot of. You gotta like pivot. You, know, you, pivot. Got of, you got to like bury your feet down. That's right. You have to find that perfect. You have to l- link legs like pretzels and uh, just get that perfect leverage going on. I've uh, actually never had sex, so you're explaining <laughs> You're like, <it>. holy <laughs> wow. you got a pretzel,
3: a leg. Go on.
2: <laughs> Dipping sauce? Oh, yes. Jeez, uh, I guess...
1: So what would you say? You're you you're you just want to a, ba- a bear? You're a bear. Really? Bears, I mean, no, they're slower. You know what I mean? More Slow lumbering. Slow lumbering
2: <laughs> you. Clumsy. <laughs> uh sloppy. Uh like a, it's like I I'm like a bear going through a dumpster. Okay.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, finding no. finding treats. I got it. No. Yeah.
2: A bear at a campground dumpster. <laughs> That's, oh, what is that's that? why it's like just tearing through. At least I find like a two liter, a half drunk two liter bottle. I just what the fuck is with. Shobani? <laughs>
1: I'm gonna
0: eat him.
2: Oh, <laughs> half eaten corn in the cob. Blah, blah, blah. blah. Uh, rotten hot dogs.
1: All right. Next one is probably the biggest hit from the album, The Book of Love. Uh, just lovely. Steven and his guitar. Uh, play the intro, Peter. <laughs> found was that he's basically saying that love is not something that should be examined academically and pulled apart but rather treated as the magic that it is that's Mm -hmm. what I got from this now what's the most magical experience or moment you've had in love
2: uh well I look back and it was probably in my mid 20s And it was, I won't say who it was with, but this particular person, I lived in Chicago and I had an apartment that had a a rooftop that you could get up on top of. And it stared at downtown. And I was like, hey, uh, we should take, I got all these blankets. We'll take this pillow, these pillows, and we'll just, we'll make this bed up on the rooftop. And we just sat out there all night and then we slept on the rooftop and pretty sure we made love on the rooftop and when we in the morning the dawn was coming up to see the sun rise behind downtown and just look over and like i'm on the rooftop with this person and it just was this moment that was out of a movie and i think about that in my head a lot because it's like you know what a storybook thing like these two 20 year olds are in love and on a rooftop and uh it just was so picturesque and and just cinematic that it's one of those things that i still think about.
1: oh i, I dude i you were talking earlier about you know music takes you back like I, one of my favorite memories was <laughs> there was a girl i met at this rave and we had we had you know she came to my house one weekend and you know and we just stayed in the basement and fucked and it was just great and like i'm 19 years old and then the next weekend was her birthday and like we had this whole week weekend planned and we we partied at the rave all night and danced by took ecstasy and drugs and then uh we get in her car and she's driving back to where my parents live because that's where i was living at the time and that's where we were going to stay and it's like, it's dawn. It's always gotta be dawn. Yeah. The sun's coming up and Radiohead's let down is playing in the background. And we're going, we're on the GW parkway. So we're like literally on the water on the Potomac and there's Washington DC. And it's, I mean the monuments and just hearing let down and like holding her hand and looking at her. I mean, that was like, like Lisa Lichtenstein. If you can find this girl, <laughs> I've, I have looked and looked and looked. She was so great, uh you know, and then we probably broke up like a week later, I meant but it was like such a beautiful moment, yeah, and, and I hear let down, and I immediately feel that, and this song is you know that's you know the, it's all so you were talking about how that seems like a movie, you know this song is also not just you know a perfect song about love, but it's a perfect song for a movie. Peter Gabriel was so impressed with this that he chose right, to record it. it. He covered it on his 2010 orchestral covers album, Scratch My Back, and it was also featured in the 2004 film Shall We Dance amongst numerous television shows. All right, where are we? When my boy walks down the
2: street. Um, do, you want to, do you have any thoughts? Uh, yeah, there's, there's uh, a really great line in this that uh, I really like. It's, maybe he should be illegal... He just makes life too complete. I just like the fact that you think someone's so perfect that they're so great that they can't possibly be real or exist. And I just, I like that. I just like that line a lot. Uh, I mean, this whole song is basically about uh, thinking. It seems like an infatuation from afar. You really like this person. They don't even know yet that you like you've, you've worked out in your mind that, Oh God, I'm going to totally marry this dude. And I like that This is 1999. He's talking about marriage with this, this, this young hot boy. Yeah. Uh, so it's prophetic. Sure.
1: Um, now excluding anything with do with the meaning of the song, as far as the, the musical sound of this song, I didn't really like it. Um, it was kind of repetitive, but it was also, but it also had a little catchiness to it. It's and simple. it's weird as I write these reviews, I write them and then I make a couple more passes, and then I'm like, fuck, man, I actually like this. I did like it when the music drops out. I like the and bridge, just, yeah, it's just Stephen's voice and the synths. Uh, this reverb drenched tribute to 60s girl group, the Shangri La's, was also influenced by the music of the 80s Scottish band, Jesus and Mary Chain, as well as 80s Los Angeles. Paisley Underground Band, The Three O'Clock. And just like classic songs by those 60-girl groups that this objectifies the subject with a wide-eyed teenage perspective of love. The difference is that this song is from a gay man to his passive object of desire. And where those girl groups used to innocently sing about getting married because they couldn't sing about having sex, the same thing happens here. In the record's booklet, when asked if the line... And he's going to be my wife was a gay marriage statement. Stephen Merritt said, Well, I suppose it is. So he is ahead of his time. Mm-hmm. Um when do you think you lost your innocence? <laughs> <laughs> Good one, what morning. a transition. <laughs> I know. Well, no, Anyways, <laughs> when do you
2: think you lost your innocence, assuming that I have? Uh well, I guess I I think and it doesn't have to be sexual. No, like no, be... I get it. I I think it's probably when you experience your your first heartbreak, your first major heartbreak is if, if we're talking about love and innocence. I feel like when you first start in relationships, you you think that this is this is never going to end. This is perfect. This is forever, and then it just blows up in your face, and you're like. Oh well, life is garbage, right? So I think the first major breakup I had, I, I, I kind of realized at first I I was gonna marry this girl in college. I would she was my high school sweetheart, and we stayed together through college, and and I was like, well, I have to get married to this person. And I was like, wait a minute, no, I don't. I don't have to do this. This is what life or society has told me what to do. And I guess I don't have to be with this person. And so that one, I don't think that didn't change my perspective because I was the breaker upper. But when my marriage, my first marriage fell apart, it wasn't on my terms. And I think that's when I started to question whether or not marriage was for me. And if, you know, you're supposed to love one person your whole life but uh i think a loss of innocence could be applied to many things many many things yeah so i guess in my head i'm trying to to i guess get on board with what the idea of innocence is like you know i was it when i was in a in a a utility storage room off of the building that we lived on top of with this girl like just making out by the lawnmowers like did I lose my innocence then was was I becoming a young man because I had boners when I woke up all the time or is it like when I lost my virginity is that your loss of innocence when you lose your virginity because I didn't have conventional sex my first time I actually I dated this girl she was Polish from Chicago Catholic who thought Vaginal sex was a sin, so the first time we had sex, I, I stuck it in her in her, in, in her ass. Wow! So that's my first experience <laughs> with like... it. I was like. Holy like, smoke, this is real tight. Your
1: dick feels like warm pierogi.
2: <laughs> <laughs> like Klotchke.
1: Klotchke <laughs> in I'm, my dupa. I'm on my period, so there will be borscht everywhere. <laughs> uh, <Sorry>. Tiny <laughs> bucha. I just—I literally just had a Polish restaurant in New York City. So uh, I a smorgasbord? Going. Uh, I'm going to. Uh,
2: the old give, Warsaw? Give me some beef. Give me your beef stroganoff. That's what we call that sex move, too. The old Warsaw.
1: So you you had your first sexual experience, like
2: yeah, I stuck it right in her pooper,
1: and I mean, was it great?
2: Well, I remember what an ordeal it was because how old like, you? I was seventeen. Okay, good age. And uh, my family, no one was home. And so that'd be weird if they were. You're it's like, it's like down, your
0: mom's <laughs> downstairs crafting. Like. Keep it down! <laughs> and you're just like, <laughs> uh,
2: papa, it's <laughs> going in her butt. Uh, so no one was home. I, I just I made sure I locked all the, locked all the doors and windows, and and I just wanted to make sure nothing would interrupt this. And so we we did it. And I was like, well, hey, this this sex stuff is pretty good. I don't know if this is how it always is. Because I never did it. So uh, my brother came home like in the middle of it, and he's pounding on the door because I locked it in, in a way the deadbolt. He didn't have a key. The front he, door, not
1: the bedroom door, right?
2: Right, the okay, front good, door yeah. of the house. He's like, what the hell? Let me in the goddamn house. <laughs> and I was like, almost finishing, and I had to see it through. Yeah, of course. And so afterwards she runs in the bathroom and i and i hear all the noises coming out of there because of you know the nature of the side effects of of certain sex acts and uh so i'm running to clean clean myself up pull my pants on and go run and get the front door and my brother's like what the fuck what are you doing in here and i go nothing b's here her name was b beata uh I won't say her full name, but uh, we don't talk anymore, <laughs> no. so it's okay. Uh, but he's like, oh. He knew? I see. Because she's like coming out of the bathroom, and we're the only two home. He's like, cool. Okay. And that was all we talked about. Like, like, you smell like budussy. It the way. smells like a butthole. <laughs> it smells like, like a Bidusi up in here. Butthole and pussy. Uh, and so a few times afterwards, because she still was like anti vaginal. Yeah, we we did just it. had butt sex. And I was like, okay, I guess this is what. Good, is- you know what? You give her props. B,
1: you're fucking dope. Instead of just being like, no, we're not doing anything. <laughs> She was like, "I just used my ass." She's
0: like, "I right? save him my pussy."
2: Which is also such a ridiculous idea that that's better than I, I, it's not. Are you kidding me? I, it's my dude, I, 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 I mean, I, I like the Lou as a as a teenage kid. I was like, "Okay, sure."
1: Dude, my first butt sex experience, um the girl shit on me. Like it really? like when my we were doing reverse cowgirl and my dick came out what are you and, it eat sla- and it and Mexican food slapped. before. No, you did? We didn't. I don't know what she ate. But it was nutty, but she my dick comes out of her ass, she went too high. <laughs> and do you know how your dick like thuds on your chest? Well, as soon as it, it came out and it thudded on my chest, and just something hit me right in the side of my face, and then I looked down and there was like shit. And uh that was that wasn't the first sexual experience, but that was my first butt sex experience. Jesus. So I mean, and she she was like nineteen. Kitty was like nineteen years old, maybe twenty. So I mean she should have known at that point if she was like... Because remember I asked her, I was like, I've never had anal sex before. She's like, well, we can do it. So she had done it, she should know. I, age of innocence. I know. I was, <laughs> that, that definitely. That shit ran out. Yeah, like, I literally. feel like
2: I did lose my innocence when I stuck it in my high school girlfriend's asshole. <laughs> Fucking, the big ups to be. Well, she definitely did. Lost her innocence, but I did not perhaps. <laughs> Were you the first person she had, she had had butt sex with? I guess I never asked, but... Ch- she did offer it up, so maybe I wasn't. <laughs> she yeah, who
1: knows? She probably was she probably excited. She was like, Yeah,
2: put in my ass. Easy fix. And you're like, you've done this before. I know. I, you know, it looking back, it's it seems like such a oh strange thing, but at the time I was just so delighted to oh, have yeah. a sexual. Have experience. I was like, okay, sure. <laughs> Here? All right, <laughs> hold on. Let me put a chair in front of the door, just right? in
1: case. Like
0: just a so bolting, no- bolting so, the
2: windows so, so and so doors. Nobody, shut.
1: Is, is, is there a storm coming? Also,
2: nah, nah sodomy. Right. <laughs> also, we should keep this a secret forever. <laughs> oh, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay.
1: All right, Papa was a rodeo. Uh, I do love this song. I love his voice. There is so much depth to it, and it's just. Regardless of, of how the song sounds, uh, he's making everything sound very, very heavy. Peter, play minute four, second
3: 36. Before you kiss me, you should know Papa was
1: a rodeo. There is something about Stephen and uh, Shirley Sims singing together that was just so nice. And I, I I really did enjoy this song, um, especially just sitting here with you. It just made me realize like how good this yeah. this song and this album is. Now. This is considered to be the most popular song on this set and Merritt has referred to writing it in the style of a classic Nancy Sinatra and Lee Hazelwood duet. It's a melancholy, countrified narrative story song that starts off sounding like it's going to be all tears in your beers. In Merritt's trademark deadpan deeper bass than Johnny Cash voice, he warns a lady about Mike, about how unreliable he is and how it could never work out. But then the last verse, which is the one we were talking about, looks back at the wonderful 55-year relationship they've shared. And when Shirley Sims comes in, which is my favorite part, in the last chorus to explain that their romantic longevity was due to their similar family dynamic, it provides a surprise happy ending. Uh, which, like I said, it's, it's, it's my favorite part. Um, I really do enjoy that. Speaking of family bonds, okay, how did your parents react when you told them that you were leaving molecular biology
2: in all the years you studied to become a stand-up comedian? That's a, that's a great question. So this song to me, it makes me think about my relationship with my dad, and uh, and I'll and I'll get to the specific answer to the question, but mm, my dad, we had a very strange relationship when i became into i guess adulthood so when i was in college my junior year i found out that he was stealing my tax returns and he opened up credit cards in my name and maxed them all out and so when i caught him doing this he denied it and then i of course i had proof and then he threw me out of the house and so when i hear this song i think about like obviously this father kind of it's the way they describe it to me it seems like he just was out of the picture kind of thing and that's that's maybe that's not what he intends in the song but that's what I hear and so it makes me think of that and so I had a really strained relationship with my dad so for a few years once I graduated college and actually returned to Chicago from Florida I acted as though he was dead and I didn't speak to him and we had kind of a reconciliation when I far I started going into comedy. I started taking classes at I.O. and in the course of my first level at Improv Olympic in Chicago, my dad killed himself and so he never knew about really the comedy stuff that I wanted to do, like we had spoken maybe briefly about it in the the time we met to reconcile, but uh I think about it, and I'm like, my dad never knew this part of me, and it's really it's it's sad and the fact that I can talk about this now, I didn't talk about it for a long time, and nobody knew that this was the case with me, but as I've gotten older, I've been able to talk about it and open up because of all our friends who have committed suicide. Sure. And, and I think that it's important to talk about it and open, especially cause Brody's thing hit me pretty hard. Yeah. Uh, but so that I wonder what he would have thought, what he really would have thought about me choosing to just totally change my life course. My mom, of course, she, she was like, honestly, I just want you to be happy. So my mom is the greatest woman in the world because she never died for a second. She's like, you got to do it. And when I moved out to California, she was like, I know you can do it. And I want you to do it. And I just want you to be happy. Now, with that said, every time we talk, she's like, you know, you always have your degree to fall back on. And when she says it, though, my degree sounds like a sword. That I should just fall through (laughs) and just like (laughs) kamikaze or or, (laughs) or, uh, whatever the term for self falling on my degree is. But uh, she she likes to keep reminding me that I always have that and I'm like uh, it's been a long time so I can't <laughs> yeah, but I, she she has great
1: like one day and you're just like I'm back and
2: I just I just showed like I think this will help I'm unrolling it you guys can't see I'm unrolling my degree for the potential It's like uh, I believe this should cover it it's like oh welcome aboard you've got a degree you haven't practiced in 15 years but come on in.
1: You want to go handle that cancer specimen over
2: there? Yes, I I can solve the cancer. you do the same so if that sounds cool you can listen and subscribe at soundtalentmedia.com and I'll see you there
1: yeah my mom is very much like that too my dad was too but I I my dad never did anything you know steal from me I stole from my dad I, I lost my dad's you know love many many times you know or at least that's the projected feeling I got from it at the time where I was like well he does he's mad at me again and but um you know my dad my dad didn't get to see any of the success. He died before anything really popped, but he did get to see me happy with a girl that had gotten my life together. And, you know, right before he died, he told me, like, you know, how proud he was of me. Because he had gotten sick, and then we had a month, and then he died. So mm-hmm. it was like that month, you know. that month, Without that month, you know, because he, he had an aneurysm in his heart, and if that would have killed him, oh, my God, all the unanswered questions and just all that shit I'd yeah. be still wearing. But have that month with him. It really, really helps. So I I can relate to that because I didn't have a very good relationship with my dad. Um, But my mom is fucking, she's a G, dude. She's bailed me out how many times. Car got booted. You know what I mean? My mom would go,
0: Oh my God, why are you (laughs) asking me again? After this, Joshua, (laughs) after this, the bank is closed. The (laughs) bank is
1: closed. And then three weeks later, I'm like, Ma, I was like this, I just got this ticket. Oh my God. God, what do you think I've got? This is all I've got. Alright, how much do you need? <laughs> <laughs> the you bank know. is closed. Um, all right. We were we we didn't get to cover every song. Um so do you have any of your favorites? You mentioned one off air.
2: Yeah, uh I think I need a new heart. Play is...
1: Peter, play a little bit of I think I need a new heart. I think I need a new heart. such a great song. Why why is that one of your favorites? Just I don't know if you have any.
2: Because uh I think in the lyrics he he says uh he I think he feels broken because he if I if I recall recor- correctly mm-hmm. that he keeps falling in love and and he doesn't know if his heart's working the right way because you know, he he think he loves multiple people is that
1: so here's what it is Merritt endearingly embraces both his vocal limitations as well as his limitations as a partner that can't seem to move beyond good intentions such a good fucking song dude um I have a question for it if you want to do it yeah I'd love to All right, what are the best worst things about
2: you (laughs) uh I'm very particular. <laughs> I, things have to be a certain way. I feel like uh, to where it's annoying. I have to s- make sure every. I, I'm a perfectionist. That like, if. If my girlfriend tries to cook, I have to come in and be like, no, 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 no. I have to, I have to do this. I have to make it right. I have to make it look like the picture that yeah. I've wanted to eat this food. So I, I, I have to garnish it in the correct way and you can't do this right because I need to see it the way I want to see it and it has to be perfect and, uh, you know, it's it's a weird quirk. It's a very weird quirk. Does it does it go into comedy? I mean, does it go
1: into your working relationship with others in in, you know, entertainment?
2: Uh, I love collaborating with people. I I do, you know, I've I do see things a certain way and I know that when you, you know, I've worked on different productions where you have to collaborate and you have to be willing to let go of the things you believe in, because, you know, if your boss thinks differently, then you think differently too. Uh, and if you want to keep working anyway. Yeah. So like there's been things I've just been unwilling to give up with and and I bite my tongue and then I'll go into the next room and I'll scream into my sweater uh, and be like, all right, well, I guess no one knows <laughs> my brilliance uh, and it's fine. You get over it. Uh, whatever you want John Mulaney sure <laughs> dude I, I like I just I've I've had to just let some brilliant sketches I believe are brilliant uh, just because either the network or the bosses were just like yeah we, we can't use this so you need to come up with something else and I'm like well I don't think anything else is better <laughs> than this <laughs> uh, but you realize that over time, the, the whole experience and the job, it wears you to a point where you, you, you can deal with that and you know that, okay, don't be a fucking baby. You're around other adults and you can work with others. And, and I like being a baby sometimes. <laughs> and, you know, it's, it's being a little baby is, is, it's irritating, but you know i could think of worse things we're I'm, all, like, listen, I'm not
1: I, violent do you like if if you pitch something and they do something else do you want that other thing to fail so you can be shown that you were right yes. <laughs> yeah of course I, well,
2: I i don't want anyone <laughs> to laugh at that other idea yeah. because it's terrible <laughs> in right. comparison to mine uh yeah when when you when you pitch an idea like if you you know you're you're going to the network or you're you're pitching something and and you believe in it, and you've, your heart and soul is in it because you know it's right. And then when someone doesn't get it, I have had to, to work on not like showing it on my face, being like, what the fuck is with you? Are you stupid? Yeah. What don't you get about this thing <laughs> that is, I've clearly explained to you, and you're asking questions that don't make any sense yeah it's like who cares what his mom did i'm telling you this is the the, the, the core character or whatever and i've i've tried to not wear my emotions on my sleeve that's another thing i if that's one of my worst qualities like you know what i'm thinking generally at any second because you can see it on my face that yeah. oh i don't like this <laughs> he clearly doesn't you can't like hide this it at all. whenever <laughs> it's weird cuz whenever i get pictures taken of me doing stand up it always looks like I'm angry, but I'm just probably in the middle of a character. But I'm like, oh, man, maybe I'm just angry all the time on my face when I'm on stage. <laughs> uh, even though it's going well, maybe I just I hate everything. <laughs> all right. Do you want to do some facts? I loved it.
0: I think I need some new Fact.
2: facts. Oh, oh yeah. I, think I, need I need some new facts. New facts.
1: This record was originally conceived as a Broadway musical of mm-hmm. sorts, like we said earlier, after Merritt sat in a gay piano bar in Manhattan listening to pianists play songs by the prolific composer, like I said, Stephen, Stephen Sondheim. Sondheim. He wanted to write 100 songs in every style of music he could think of before settling on 69. What is the biggest undertaking you've attempted
2: or want to? Uh, well my first comedy album was that was a pretty big long build-up to get to that point to where i felt confident i had an hour's worth of material and setting it up i did it at acme in minneapolis uh with mary mack who is one of my favorite people uh and just the just to have that fruits of my labor just i've got a physical copy of an album that no one can ever take that away from me. Just what it took to get from like it was like it seemed like ten years of my comedy career to create to create this thing. Like some people, they hey, I've been doing comedy two weeks. I should put an album. Oh out. yeah, I know a few of those people. It's <laughs> was like,
1: I wanted. They do didn't it. sell
2: well. Just to let you know. No, <laughs>
1: like the, the end story for that person is right. <laughs> I don't know if they're doing comedy <laughs> anymore. People put like quotes like what they think of the re- of like
2: their comedy record. And it's like Bill Burr said. so i waited a long time because i wanted every joke on that album to be fire, yeah and you know i've never been more proud of of that thing uh scaredy cat buy it on itunes or whatever yeah get it everybody uh but the thing i'm working on now spotify uh was based so it's actually this it's this story moves into the next but that album the cover art uh, I met this guy who was, he was working at Disney and he did a lot of show posters for this show I used to do called uh, uh, Part Two, The Sequel Show. And uh, I loved his, his style. And so he did the album art on my, my comedy album. And I was big into Where the Wild Things Are. And the album was about everything I was afraid of. and And I kind of just thematically had pieced it together that way. So I was like, man, that would make a really great, animated kids show and so for the last few years we've been working on uh creating this this concept and this pi- the pilot and the show bible and we have all this stuff together and we've just recently been pitching it and I've put my heart and soul into this fucking show which I think is a no-brainer it's so good to me and we uh, we're going to pitch it at Netflix soon uh but we've pitched, Fingers crossed, man. We've pitched it to to a bunch of places and i and i think it's one of the best things i've ever done and if it doesn't happen you're just gonna go these fucking idiots of course (laughs) no no i've got perfection here well that's interesting because i i've thought about like i think i will be okay because i've literally tried to do everything i can to make this happen i've told my my partner, I was like, no one can ever say that we didn't try, and I know that that's a shitty thing to tell. No, people. No, you have to. It's it's. But to know, it. Yeah, but I know. I know that I fucking tried everything I could to make this, and even if if these studios they don't want to make it, I will find a fucking way to make this thing. Because you're gonna do it. I know that they are wrong. <laughs>
1: no, you're gonna do it. Good for you, man. Uh, speaking of that, one of the musical contributors on this and other Magnetic Fields albums is Daniel Handler on accordion and keyboards. Although he also wrote the liner notes and interviewed Merritt for the re-release of the 69 Love Songs box set, Handler is better known for writing the 13-book series A Series of Unfortunate Events under the Snicket, Lemony Snicket, both epic collections were started around the same time. Wow, isn't that cool? Yeah. What is your hidden talent?
2: Uh, well, I have to pull my pants down. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, uh,
0: keep on rolling, baby. Uh, you know what time it is.
2: Secret talent. Um, I think people don't realize. I actually, I know I have a silly, a kind of a silly voice, but I actually am a pretty good singer. Uh, you
1: have hit all the notes and have been on you've been on. Key I was the whole told time. I had
2: perfect pitch by my my musical theater ex wife which she would never say that for most people, but she was very she was very uh perceptive to things that were in tune, and she was like, "Wow, you have perfect pitch. I was like, "Oh well, how about that? <laughs> it's like even though you hate the magnetic field."
1: <laughs> All right, final fact. Merritt suffers from hyperacusis, which is an oversensitivity to certain frequency ranges of sound. So the band plays at a low volume live, which adds to the intimacy of the performances, which I am...
2: uh, Have you seen him live? Uh, I have in Chicago. I, I know that he won't play percussion. A lot of times they will just not play any percussion because... It hurts. I think it's his, it's it's his ears. His yeah, it's one well, ear, It's one ear specifically. I think it might be his right. My sister used to have that, I think. What are you most sensitive to? Uh, honestly, when people start talking about their dads, uh, at this point in my life, because I haven't had a dad since I was, I guess, 25, is when he did it. It's been 17 years now. And it still hits me. I like, I see my girlfriend with her dad or I see other people talk about their dad and it just, it's like this hole that I can never fill because I, I just don't have that. I don't have a dad. I can't like, I lost him in probably one of the most important points of my life where you're a young man starting out and trying to, to figure life out. And so I don't, I didn't have that and I and I'll never be able to get that back. And so that is just this raw thing that I uh it it like every mother because he died on Mother's Day, so every Mother's Day uh I'm a mess. But like whenever I hear anyone talk about their dad, I just start to well up. No, I get it. I get it. Um No, I don't I
1: don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't <laughs> Make a joke. I don't, I just, <laughs> Cut this part out. <laughs> <laughs> We're all um, crying. No, it's 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 beautiful, man. I get it. But, you know, I don't have anything to say because I completely, I can empathize with you, man.
2: Oh, that's what, you know, this album is is great and worthy of being on a list like this because of, look at the discussion that it spawned. If If an album can make you feel things and relate to it in ways you, you know, you don't think about, but when you just let yourself go and be absorbed into an album like this, you're like, Oh wow, this is powerful stuff. And you know, maybe it's not as well known as a lot of the other albums on this list, but I think that it is a work of art. It, it is truly a, a genius gift that, more people I hope can listen to
1: no I, I think people did I was gonna ask you your final thoughts and you just fucking like nailed <laughs> it on the head with this because I couldn't agree with you more so it's a great record and yeah. dude you were fucking phenomenal oh, I didn't want thank this to you. end so thank, thank you. you for coming on brother it was
2: great thanks for having me
3: Tony
1: Sam ladies and gentlemen what a great episode if you want to find Tony Sam on Instagram and Twitter find him at Tony Sam I'm gonna spell it because it's spelled weird T-O-E-K-N-E-E-S-A-M so like toe like on your foot knee like on your leg and Sam like you're Sam Listen to his podcast, Legally Insane, anywhere you get your podcasts, and get his album, Scaredy Cat, on all platforms. Put it on right now. I'm posting his mixtape track listing link. It's going to be on the website, along with everybody's mixtape. All my guests have made a mixtape for you, and you can find everything 500 at the500podcast.com. Email the podcast at 500podcast at gmail.com, and follow moi on all social media. At Josh Adam Myers. Please subscribe to the 500 on your favorite platform. And if you're listening on Apple iTunes, leave us a review. Be nice to me. Come on, man. Hook a brother up. Follow my writer, DJ Morty Coyle, and check out his Instagram page where him and his daughter sing a lot of songs at B and Daddy Cartoons. Now, we just listened to Magnetic Fields from 1999. Now, here is an artist that is directly influenced by this album, and I really like this song. This song is Dog Inside a Car by the band Fell Runner. Check them out on our website. We'll be posting there. And if you're in a band and we're directly influenced by one of these albums or artists and you want your music featured on the 500, send your song to 500 podcast at gmail.com and make sure you put the album and artists that influence you in the subject line. Trust me, guys. I'm trying to help you out. So send me your music. I will play it to the world next week is Def Leppard Week with their 1987 hit factory, Hysteria. Most of you have already heard this, but if you haven't, even if you have, do your fucking homework. Stay fleecy, y'all. I try
0: to speak my mind, but the words don't take flight. Try to run free in the streets, but the leash is too tight. Try
2: to make sense
0: of what people say But everyone seems so much brighter than me Cause I am just a dog inside a car and with my head sticking
1: Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
2: Hey, this is Mike Weeby, and I'm the singer in a band called The Riverboat Gamblers. And
1: I'm Zach Blair. I play guitar in a band called Rise Against. Mike and I also have a band called The Draculas, and we also have this great, amazing new podcast called Zack and Mike Make Three.